Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. States in the West are fighting over the world's most basic resource, water. It's taking a a centuries-old conflict, centuries worth of negotiations, and essentially putting it under a a broiler. I mean, it's, it's totally ratcheting up the pressure, ratcheting up the heat. Somebody's going to have to give, something's going to have to break, and where it breaks is going to be a point of conflict. I'm Annie Reese. This is Politico Dispatch. My name is Laura Cordy. I am one of the co-authors of Politico's California Playbook. On the show today, Laura Cordy on the government's basically ultimatum to California and six other states in the West about cutting back their water usage from the Colorado River, which is running dangerously low. But how they achieve that, well, that's the question. It gets a little complicated because when you talk about people who use water from the Colorado River, there's the upper basin and the lower basin. The upper basin includes like Colorado and Wyoming and Utah, and they have historically not used as much water as Southern California has. Mm -hmm. And that's just for a lot of reasons. Um, There's less population. There's less plowable land up there. There's a lot more diverse topography, so it's kind of harder to create these big sweeping uh, fields full of crops that need water. So the federal government recently came to those seven states that use water and said, hey, The levels are getting really low. We need to cut down water usage by a lot, by two to four million acre feet. And to kind of put that in perspective, an average California family uses about one to one and a half acre feet of water every year. So it's a a lot lot of water. It's a lot. And the reason that they're asking the states to cut down water is because the levels at Lake Mead and Lake Powell, which are behind two federal dams are seriously low. It's it's getting really bad and it's, it could be dangerous for the infrastructure of the dam itself, which does things like produce electricity. And at a certain level, if the water gets too low, it can't physically get out of the dam. And so it's the federal government's responsibility to make sure that these federal dams stay functioning. So they're telling the states like, hey, you need to figure out how to cut your water usage by this date or else we're going to come in and decide to do it for you. And just like what are the stakes here basically? Like, you know, right now they sound sort of like an angry parent, right? Like if you don't clean your room, like I'm going to come in and do it for you. But like what what are the stakes? <laughs> what are the stakes? Yeah, you know, this is – people have told me that this is a common – kind of tactic or a common occurrence that happens when the federal government comes in and says something needs to be done. Mm -hmm. And it's not so much, you know, trying to throw down the hammer, but nobody wants to raise their hand and volunteer to take water cuts. So they're going to wait until somebody else says, hey, we need to do this. So the stakes here are essentially that you have the three states in the lower basin, which is California, Nevada, and Arizona, who have historically used way more of their half of the river than they were allotted. Mm. And so they're going to have to figure out how to cut down on usage. And this gets into a really complicated set of like agreements and negotiations that have been going on for decades about who has to take cuts, who has rights to what water, and you know what happens when shortages get low. Mm-hmm. And so essentially under the current agreements, Nevada and Arizona have to bear the brunt of the cuts. 
But that would be just unequitable because the amount of water that the federal government is asking to be cut, two to four million acre feet, could be as much as Nevada and Arizona combined. Wow. I mean, that would be just devastating to those states. Yeah. I don't think anybody wants to see that happen. Then you have districts in California, like the Imperial Valley, who have senior water rights, who rely on the Colorado River for their sole you know, source of water. And so they're saying like, hey, we really need this water. We have no other sources. We don't want to take big cuts, but they're one of the biggest users. And the other states are saying like, well, you can't cut us off completely. We have to do something here. So it's it's going to be a complicated set of conversations in the coming weeks for sure. Yeah. And this this thing about senior water rights, the river versus junior water rights, the river is something that goes back a long time. It's really baffling. And it actually goes back to this is how they claimed stakes to coal mines back in the day mm. was first in time, first in right. So if you got to the river first or the coal mine first, you had senior water rights. And Arizona actually did not sign on to the original agreement in 1922 between the seven states, it didn't get some of its water rights until the 60s. So it historically has had junior water rights to California. It gets complicated. But like I said, I think that everybody agrees that there's going to need to be cuts all across the board, even though technically based on agreements, Arizona has junior water rights to California. So if this has been like it's no stranger to anyone that California is basically always in a period of drought, right? And that and that <laughs> right. this is an issue in a lot of places in the Southwest. So if this is a problem that has been pervasive and has been on their radar for decades, why is there not now a better solution? Man, that is a great question. I will say that they have been trying. I think um, in the state of California specifically, there are water projects being built. They've gotten better at conservation, about recycling, about how they transfer water, about being more efficient in the usage of water. Um, the state itself has actually refrained from doing any kind of top-down restrictions recently. Mm -hmm. Governor Gavin Newsom has, you know, his, his method is pleading with the water districts to take action, incentivizing people to do things like change out their lawns for like rock lawns or succulent lawns. So as to why we're at this point, people have been taking steps to prevent this kind of disaster from happening. But climate change is really vicious. And I think that a lot of people will tell you, a lot of researchers, a lot of people who have been watching the river, that it just is getting drier and hotter and that they've been watching this trend happening for decades um, and that they've tried to make mitigating measures, but it just hasn't been enough. Clearly, this is the largest cut that the federal government has ever asked for. Mm -hmm. And so there needs to be a drastic step happening now in order to prevent disaster. And what are the industries most affected here? One of the things that could potentially be affected, I'm thinking about the agricultural districts. So like, yeah. like I mentioned, the Imperial Valley has a lot of agricultural users. Mm -hmm. They use water for a very different purpose than like you or I might. It's not just watering our plants. You know, it's a way of life for them. It's uh, jobs and livelihoods. And some people have criticized the region for not growing more um, drought-hardy crops, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I believe one of the most water using crops is actually alfalfa, which is used to feed cows. And that's why there's criticism about the beef industry, because it uses so much water to, to feed cows. 
Hmm. That's a critical source of income for a lot of people. If they had to potentially cut down on water usage, you could see people changing out crops. This might also be part of the agreement, right? There might be an agreement to pay different farmers to fallow some lands, Mm -hmm. to only farm fields every other year, things like that. I mean, there's lots of adjustments that are going to have to come into play, but nothing's going to be free, I guess is is the right thing to say. Everybody is going to expect something back or some kind of incentive to make the cuts happen. One of the things that the Imperial Valley has really grappled with for a long time when it comes to water issues is the Salton Sea, Mm -hmm. which is a nearby body of water that actually as the levels go down, you get toxic dust blowing up from the lake bed and Mm. that causes health concerns in the nearby community. And so when we've historically been talking about water in the Imperial Valley, the people there say, yeah, okay, well, if you're going to ask us to cut down on water, we would like you to do something to mitigate the effects of the Salton Sea. So there are all these little pieces, and it goes by state and by region. There's all these little bargaining pieces and individual politics and pressures that come into play, and everybody's going to bring their personal, um, all the states are going to bring their individual pressures to the table and their individual expectations of what their residents want to the bargaining table. It's going to be complicated. And it's, I mean, it's also interesting because you have these kind of, this is what I mentioned with the territorial rights before, you know, talking with people in Imperial Valley, Imperial Valley grows a good amount of food for the rest of the country. And I think the statistic they threw out to me was that they like produce a third of the country's winter greens. So Mm -hmm. when you're like buying spinach and stuff in January to make your smoothies, it's coming from the Imperial Valley. And I think there is some maybe resentment, maybe misunderstanding between the urban users and the agricultural users. The agricultural users definitely feel like the urban users don't quite have an appreciation for how important farmland is. And so there's kind of a sentiment of... um you know, why don't you stop watering your lawns and your golf courses so that we can grow food? And I think that's a big part of the dynamic, especially in California, um, of, you know, what's what's more important to you, these growing food or having this nice shiny lawn? And that's not necessarily, you know, that's a, a simplification, but it's definitely one of the factors when it comes to water rights in California. So what are you really watching out for? We've got this like 60-day countdown. Yeah. What are you looking out for? I'm really interested to see, you know, I I talked with a professor at the University of New Mexico, John Fleck, who said this is likely to be a stare down between California and Arizona, um, simply because Arizona has junior water rights and California has avoided taking a cuts for so long. California uses the lion's share of the water coming into the Southern Basin. So I'm interested to see what kind of concessions California makes if it does and if Arizona is able to essentially uh, hold their ground and, and kind of prevent some of these really drastic cuts from coming to their state. Laura Cordy, thank you so much for talking with me. Yeah, absolutely. Also in the news, two new polls show that Americans' confidence in the country's institutions continues to drop to record lows. In a new Gallup survey, confidence in the presidency and the Supreme Court had the sharpest declines. Confidence in the presidency dropped 15 points down to 23%, and confidence in the Supreme Court dropped 11 points to 25%. 
And in a new Monmouth poll, only 10% of Americans say the country is headed in the right direction, compared to 88% who think it's on the wrong track, which is a record low going back to 2013. Today's episode of Politico Dispatch included music composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Be sure to follow Politico Dispatch if you haven't yet, and if you can, leave us a rating and review. It helps more people find the show. I'm Annie Reese. Thanks so much for listening.